Why did you get banned? Why did you go to jail? I'm fully aware that I would not have been banned or cancelled if I wasn't Andrew's brother. If I had played things my way, me and Andrew would probably be back in jail. I've jumped off the rock. I'm not scared of jail. You want to send me back? Good, because if you send me back, you're now going to have to explain to the world why. Can they even do that? Like, you what know. is the crime? Every story, all the girls, it's only towards Andrew. They don't care about the truth. They just want to spin some negative story. They wanted the Tate brothers in jail. It's us against the world. So when you hear the word Tate, you think about Andrew Tate, but it's really the brothers, Andrew and Tristan Tate. And when I think about Tristan Tate, I, I told him earlier, I said, you, you could have gone a completely different route. The guy looks like a Hollywood star. He looks like a movie star. Uh, he, he looks like he could have played James Bond. Maybe they should have even consider him for James. I know they just made the announcement. He looks like a real James Bond, dresses like one, um, has the personality of one. The ladies love him. If you've never seen his pictures, just go on Google, type in Tristan Tate. You'll see what he looks like, the looking guy. But he's got a completely different identity to himself, very different than Andrew. We had a very good time talking to Andrew, uh, your brother, and the way he built you up today was very unique. I've seen you guys talk to each other, mm -hmm. about each other, but the way he did it today was very different. Anyways, Tristan, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's good man. to finally meet yes. you. Last time we met in Madrid, but we never did a podcast no, together. No, for about 60 seconds. I was saying I, I was eating Spanish paella the night before, <laughs> cracked one of my teeth. And the next morning, Andrew wakes me up saying, okay, let's go to Patrick's podcast. And I had this big swollen face. So I hid inside of my hotel. But I did catch you for about 45 seconds by reception because we were staying in the same place. Yeah. And remember. you thought I'd been in the fight. I thought because you guys fight. I'm like, this guy probably got into a fight. You know, apparently now I know <laughs> the story. He lost to some uh, muscles, but not the good kind of yeah, muscles. Yeah, not the good kind. So here's my so question for you. When we read the stories about why, you know, Andrew's gone to prison or Andrew this or this woman came out or that woman came out, why did you go to jail? Why did you get banned? Why did they take your Instagram down? I mean, I remember the pictures. It was all cars and suits and yeah. motivational stuff. So is it guilty by association? It, it is guilty by association. I hate to say it. But I'm fully aware that I would not have been banned or canceled or probably ended up in jail if I wasn't Andrew's brother. But there are so many benefits that come with being Andrew's brother that you have to take the good with the, you have to take the good with the bad. So it didn't it didn't upset me too much. No, I smiled about it. Where does this positive attitude come from? You could be the victim. Oh, Andrew, you you did this. Yeah, you landed me in jail. Look at all our assets are seized. Yet, smile on your face as gracious, just humble guy. Where did all this come from? You know, it's always been the way me and Andrew are, and we've shared in our successes. Um, the first time he became first time he became a millionaire, we celebrated. When I became a millionaire, we celebrated. When um, you know we bought our first supercar, we drove that home from the dealership together. So every single positive moment in my life, the first time we ever chartered a private jet, I remember we were just happy, drinking, having a great time on the on the plane. This is before he reverted, before anybody jumps on that drinking reference. But if you want to take all the good moments from having a relationship, a brotherly relationship like me and Andrew have, and then he becomes the world's most Googled man, one of the most influential men, I guess, in, in the world. And by default, he's attacked by the Matrix in a way that ends, ends up with him being thrown in prison. I feel like I'd be more mad if I didn't go to prison with him. 
I'd feel like, you know, I've taken all the good from being associated with Andrew and, you know, he builds me up and I build him up and for him to be sitting in jail without me, it would just feel wrong. So I'm not even mad about it. I'm the opposite of mad about it. I'm glad they roped me in with it. I'm glad they said guilty by association. I'm glad they throw me in jail with him. And if they frame him for real and send him back, they better send me back too or I'll break myself in. <laughs> you break yourself break in, in into jail. jail. I'll break into the jail. Right. You know, <laughs> seduce one of the prison guards or something smart. You know, I, could probably I can't see you doing something like that. No, I can't see you doing something like that. But you did give a good book recommendation earlier. I appreciate that, which was great. It's an inside joke. But uh, uh, yeah, so going back to this whole story of, uh, I got confused right now because, you know, we're both in a different place right yeah, now. Yeah, I got it, I got it. I'm thinking number seven. I'm thinking eight and a half. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold a different place today. Okay. Well, yeah. working out is good. Staying in shape is good. You know, all that stuff is a very good thing. Yeah. So really, though, when you talk to your lawyers, why, why, did you, why did they put you in jail? I mean, I know it's guilty by association. Can they even do that? Like, you what know, is the crime? Every story, all the girls, it's only towards Andrew. Where well, are you involved? Yeah, well... When digging through Andrew's entire past, trying to find a reason to put him in jail, what you have to understand is we have not been accused by X number of women. The prosecutor has accused us of doing X to X number of women. These women actually defend us actively. One of the statements in the file is a girl who I used to date a little bit. She details nothing illegal, says nothing illegal went on. She wasn't held against her will. She wasn't trafficked. She wasn't exploited. But... Because I used to sleep with her, I guess I'm guilty too. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess one of the girls is my ex. So that's the only real link um, with me. But, yeah, it's guilty by association. They, Literally. They, they, want, the they wanted the Tate brothers in jail. I so think. when they came, when they came to arrest, did they come to, was it, was it you and Andrew? It was both of you. Yeah, they had arrest warrants for both of us. And when they came to arrest us, what's very funny is my cousin's girlfriend was here at the time with, with her friend. There were actually women in the house at the time. The women in the house were not questioned. The women in the house were not asked if they were okay. The women in the house were not asked if they were in danger, if they were safe. They were completely left alone, left to sit on the couch with us um, while the police watched over us. While they went through the house and took everything that was valuable. They were Googling the value of the various items. They were taking, marking it down on a spreadsheet. And they left, I think, without saying a single word to the women who were in this house, which is very unusual, you would think, in an investigation about human trafficking. But you, know, you, could, you could take what implications from there you will, and uh, guess what their motivations were, if you will, but I'm, I can't say anything at the moment. That makes sense. So uh, we talked to Andrew earlier about his experience in jail. How was the experience for you from your point of view? Uh, well, I mean, Romania spends less money per prisoner than any single country in the European Union. The, the prisons are constantly getting in trouble from the European Union for being uh, underfunded, uh, too many people per room, not enough square meters, not enough calories per day. So the jail experience, it wasn't good. But it was interesting. And I took jail in a very strange way. I feel like if you're going to walk around the world running your mouth all the time about what you are and what you think you are, eventually something's going to come along in the world and test you. If you walk around saying, I'm the baddest man on the planet, I can beat anyone up on Earth. Mm -hmm. One day someone in the street is going to be like, ah, you're the guy who thinks he can beat anyone up and, and punch your lights out. You know, I don't speak as much as Andrew, but I do say I'm a very strong-minded person. I always preach to young men, if you're going through hardships, you, you know, you, you need to deal with it like a man, continue your training, stay focused. And it just felt like God gave me an opportunity to prove to, to myself above all else, as well as to everyone else who listens to me, that I am actually what I say I am. So coming out of jail, I'm almost grateful for the experience, as hellish as the environment was. As hellish as the environment was, you were grateful for it. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm grateful that my life has been very, very easy for the last six or seven years. I retired from professional fighting when I was 28. The last sad thing that I guess happened to me was my father passing when I was 26 and a half. So I'm 34 now, I'm coming up 35. These things happened a very long time ago. I've increased in wealth, I've increased in fame. I fly around the world doing whatever I like, driving whatever car I like, staying wherever I like, sleeping wherever I like, going, you know. It, it's been such an amazing experience that I haven't tested myself for real in a very long time. So yeah, grateful for the experience. Andrew had very high praise about you, right? I mean, he, he, we, we did a whole segment about, he, he always thought you were the best brother in the world, but after being in jail with you, now he knows, he's confirmed and reaffirmed that you're the best brother in the world. And he almost kind of compared you to like being the, the yin to his yang, right? Mm. And I, I didn't really fully understand who Tristan was. We've sat with Andrew for hours on end. We had 45 seconds with you yeah. after that uh, <laughs> paella incident, right? Um, but he says that your special gift is the mat you've mastered the art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. So what is that all about? Well, I'd say it's not not giving a fuck in the way that because I know people who don't give a fuck. Their life sucks. You know, they don't work out. They don't care about their their own health, happiness, wealth, work. Uh, not in a degenerate I'm a bum kind of way. I'll give you a better example because I know exactly what he means. I feel like because I am his younger brother. Every great general who sits at a table with his staff, needs that one fearless guy with him. You know, he needs people who preach prudence and being careful, and we have those people, believe me. They're very, very loud in our ears every single day since getting out of jail. But, you know, if you're a great samurai general and you're sitting around the, the table, you also need that one guy who says, okay, there's 10,000 of them, there's five of us, okay, let's just go. It's more fearlessness than, than not giving a fuck. If I... If I had played things my way since getting out of jail, me and Andrew would probably be back in jail right now. I'm censoring myself on this podcast, but the first day I, I got out, I thought, you know what, screw it. Let me just put a camera on, just tell the whole world what's going on, let them take me away live on stream. That's me. So <laughs> luckily he keeps me in check, but also I feel like I can inspire him to make a few bolder and, and braver decisions in life because of my counsel. So I'm very much one of his councilmen, but he does need me at the table. Without that guy, you're just going to be a pussy, you know? Have you always played the number two role? Like, you know, in, in monarchical times, it was always the eldest son that the, the pet was passed down to the crown. From your father down to Andrew to you, has it always been an understanding, all right, I'm number two, my brother's the leader, let me get in line, let's crush it. You know what, I, I don't feel it's necessarily, like, it's necessarily like that. I feel it's more that... I know what his strengths are, and I'm there to compensate for his weaknesses. He knows what my strengths are, and I'm there to compensate for his weaknesses. So who's the leader and who's not? All depends on the situation that we're in. Um, certainly with, I mean, me and Andrew have been a team a very long time, and we made a lot of money before we ever blew up on the internet. Uh, our relationship was a lot more equal then, but Andrew is the famous one. I'm fully, I'm fully aware that he's the guy who will go in front of the camera and say the types of things or voice his opinions in a way that garner infamy uh, and fame. And I, I've blown up alongside him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of the price is, is going to jail. You know, they say that uh, your ego is not your amigo. Mm. There must be some part of you. I mean, you're a six foot four, badass, good looking, Hollywood looking guy, girls, Bugattis, yet you're, you're willing to take a step back seat to Andrew's fame. So you must, you must have a big ego to be the, the place that you're in, but you also have to have 
take a step back and say, all right, Andrew, you're the guy. How, how do you grapple with that? Well, yeah, with, the, with what we're doing now, Andrew's certainly the face of it. But he wanted to build this. This was never my intention. I thought, okay, you're going to make some money on the internet. That's cool, Andrew. You do that. I'll continue doing what... In fact, I'm going to interject with another story. There was a time when me and Andrew could barely pay the rent. He was training and he was fighting full-time. He was a kickboxing uh, one-time world champion, I think, at the time. And I was selling windows. Now, I'm a great salesman. So I was bringing home a thousand plus British pounds per week. He didn't tell you this story, did he? No. Hopefully he said he was like, a window He said yeah, he sold window, yeah, but not yeah. the one you bring in. Yeah, but he didn't so, say he was balling out making a thousand a week. No, I, I mean, that's not balling out. <laughs> I, think, I think these three glasses of whiskey cost about a thousand dollars. But my, um, I was making about a thousand, a thousand British pounds a week. Uh, Andrew had a previous sales experience. I was at the time working in sales and Andrew was just living off his fight money. So I would come home every day. I said, oh, I made this much sales, et cetera. I'll pay the rent. You keep fighting because I was helping to support his kickboxing career. One day, Andrew looks at me and he says, you know what, Tristan? I'm just going to start selling for the same company you're selling for. We could bring two, $3,000 into the house a week. We'll have a good life. We'll make money. And I said, Andrew, no, you can't do that. You can't do that because if you are spending all your time chasing sales leads and knocking on people's doors like I am, then you're never going to find the time to discover something better, to discover something that's going to take us out of this crappy apartment it's going to take us out of this crappy life. So even back then when I was willing to work away selling windows instead of kickbox, because I got paid almost nothing. I was the European champion at my height. My most I've ever got paid was a thousand bucks a fight. I knew that wasn't the financial viable uh, option, financially viable option for me. I was willing to sell windows to let Andrew continue to have time to train, but also have time to think. So now... Everyone's like, oh, well, he's the face of this online persona and, you know, you guys make a lot of money for it. I'm like, I'm fine behind the scenes. I'm perfectly, perfectly happy. I'm not missing anything from my life with my 2 million Twitter followers. I need 6.8 million to fulfill. You know, people will often try to, I guess, pit me against Andrew, which is the stupidest idea in the world. But they'll say stupid things to me like, huh, your brother's more famous than you. And I'll say, yeah, my brother's more famous than you. <laughs> Like, what's the, what's the big deal? If, if your brother was, were Mike Tyson, for example, and someone said, your brother's a better boxer than you, you'd be like, yeah, my brother's Mike Tyson. What, what, you know, it's this strange type of jealousy and envy that I think a lot of men can't cope with that makes them drag each other down like crabs in a bucket. If my brother became, the, I don't know, a, a billionaire, the world's richest man, and I had to stay at this level, I'd be like, yeah, my brother's the world's richest man. I'd be proud of him. And I don't see anything wrong with that. It's not a competition. We're, we're a team. I think, I think that's a big thing. So I got uh, uh, an 11-year-old son and a 9-year-old son. Okay? Beautiful. And the perspective to have, th there's got to be a, a, also a massive level of maturity of the younger one towards the older one. I'm yeah. the younger sibling in my family. My sister's six years older. Well, we got a very good relationship in our family. But the, the wisdom of the younger is different than the wisdom of the older, right? You're yeah. more watching. You're more like, okay. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. So that smack him upside the head. I shouldn't do that. Okay, wow, that's pretty good. That leads to good praise or that that's good. Yeah, I don't like that. I have no interest in that. Okay, it's pretty I would have probably done it this way, but I get it. So you have a different optic, right? To see different things. At what point was it when you're, you know, you're coming up and you you guys are you were talking outside and you're like, hey, we're so competitive that hey, six years ago the whole prank concept, but we no longer do pranks, all this gum. Yeah. We're a big prank family ourselves. When was it, and even maybe from your pops, did dad drive you guys to compete against each other or did dad drive you guys to compete against the world? What was his selling point to the two of you? I don't think it's something that we learned from my father. Okay. My, father my father didn't have a, a, a brother 
or, or another guy in his life who were close like me and Andrew. I think it's something that happened organically. And it's not so much competition against each other in terms of what I can do and he can. It's more like how much am I going to contribute to the team that you don't? So a perfect example, this house is set up literally perfect, perfect for it. I'll come down in the morning, 7 a.m., Andrew's at his laptop. We'll go do, there's an exercise we hate doing. You put 30 kilograms on a burpee bar, do the, on a, on a weight bar. You do a burpee, lift it above your head, and you do it 150 times. It's tiring, it's horrible. So I'll do them and I'll say, you know, Andrew, you're a pussy. Why haven't you done them yet? Then he'll do them. And then I'll go do them again, just because. I know if I do them, he has to do them. That's not, people can see it as two men competing against each other, or you can see it as two men within the same house getting stronger and pushing each other to become stronger. You know, when we're racing around racetracks, we, we're both, I, mean, I guess, professionally trained drivers. We have lots of track experience, lots of road experience. The fact that he will drive faster than me will inspire me to do better in myself. Then, me and my brother as a team are better drivers. It's not two men competing against each other. You know, it's, it's us against the world, but that's something that happened very organically. And he's always been the better kickboxer. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger uh, by, by, I mean, maybe I'm probably fatter, but I've certainly got more muscle <laughs> as well. But um, you know, people see me smash the pads and, you know, amateurs, like a girl I knew once said, oh, wow, you hit the pads so hard. Can you beat Andrew in a fight? I'm like, no, no. When I try to punch Andrew, like I punch nothing. I hit, I hit air and he ends up counter punching. So he's always been the better kickboxer. But I could take that and be like, you know what? Good. He's the four-time world champion. Good. That's my brother. And just be proud. It's us against the world. So that wasn't that wasn't pops. That was more you guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was us. It wasn't it wasn't my, my anything my father naturally instilled. I mean, he certainly wouldn't let us fight and argue with each other. He had some unconventional punishments. If we were ever arguing, he'd lock us in a cupboard together to sit there and stare at each other. He told us that story. He told you that story. Just yeah, sitting so, there and we go. Staring that at way, each other that way, that way, that way, you know it's true. When you're sitting staring at your brother because <laughs> you guys were acting up and fighting or whatever, you might want to implement this for Dylan and Tico if you yeah, always see do this. It. It works. You're staring at each other. Yeah. What did you learn about your brother at that point? What do you think he learned about you? Just sitting staring for hours on end as a punishment. I think you just realize that the conflict has no benefit. You're going to end up standing in that cupboard. That's the payoff for your conflict. There's no victory competing against your brother. And, um, you know, we, we grew up in Luton as a huge Asian, a huge Asian diaspora, I guess. Lots of Indians, lots of Pakistanis, lots of Sikhs, lots of Muslims. And these people work as a team. It's the, one of the reasons they outcompete British people, native British people, in almost every single metric. And we knew a guy named Bali. I hope Andrew hasn't told you this. No. So he had a, he was a lawyer, probably 50,000 pounds a year. And he drove a 400,000 dollar Ferrari, a 400,000 pound Ferrari, and a 500,000 pound Rolls Royce sometimes. And we were saying like, do you think Bali's a drug dealer? What do you think he's up to? And me and Andrew at the time, you know, had quite a close brotherhood. And he looked at us one day and I said, Bali, how do you have all this money? How do you get these fancy cars when you're just a, a lawyer? And you're relatively young. He was like 26, 27, about five or six years older than I was at the time. And Bali's exact answer was, I remember he said, you white people are stupid. Now I'm mixed race. He wasn't talking anything racial. He was talking about, I guess, native British people. He says, you will have five sons, or your father may have five sons, which for someone in my culture, he was a Sikh, an Indian Sikh from Punjab. He said, that's a jackpot. And this Englishman's five sons, will all move out of the family home. They'll pay five rents, probably to people like me. They'll take five different student debts out, go on five different career paths. They'll, they'll, they'll set up, they'll get five different mortgages, marry five different women, and never see each other again. You see, my father had five sons. Now I'm a lawyer, my, my brother's a dentist, my father's an engineer, my other brother owns a construction company, one of the, and every single skill set that they needed 
to, to flourish was within the household. So we all live in the family home. We pool our resources. Our women work together and prepare food for us. We work, uh, and, and every, every time that we have uh, new children or the family is expanded, we just expand the house. My brother owns a construction company. And that, in that way, as a group, we have three Toyotas, one Ferrari, and one Rolls Royce. And we can all use them anytime we like. And that was what introduced me and Andrew, because we were flat broke at the time. We had nothing to share. Uh, to the idea of, of certainly, you know what, if we can buy a supercar together, one nice car, then we can just share that car. And now, thanks to his car addiction, we have, I don't know, 40 plus, <laughs> minus the 10 or 11 that have been temporarily seized by the <laughs> Romanian government. But um, yeah, it introduced us, I guess, to the concept of pooling your resources and sharing. And you know what? He's 100% right. That is a lesson you can learn from the Indians, from the Pakistanis, because it's benefited us massively. And you guys live together here in this amazing compound. And Andrew said he foresees himself living with you the Forever. rest of his days. Yeah. How much of a factor was those stories from the Punjab guys to today you living know, in Romania? You know what? That was massive. And I don't speak to Bali anymore. So if you're out there, Bali, and you're listening, you know, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people, work, people will even ask that nowadays. The way that, you know, when you're a high net worth individual, the way things are owned is very tricky. You know, you don't want, you know, no high net worth individual has everything in his name. Let's just put it that way. But it's complicated the way things are owned. So sometimes people will ask me, there'll be five cars on the drive and, you know, girls especially who are naive to these things will be like, which ones are yours and which ones are Andrew's? My honest answer is I don't actually know. <laughs> Let me, I have to look at the papers to work out exactly what, but it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The keys are in this box, in that room, and we can drive them whenever we like. And we never argue because there's so many, you know, and when you build that abundance and you build yourself to the level of wealth me and Andrew are at, what are we going to argue about? There were times when we were kickboxing where we didn't have money for food. We used to eat cans of sardines. And there have been times splitting our last can over plain rice. Mm -hmm. So now people are like, oh, it's weird that you share a house with your brother. I'm like, it's weird that you don't. You know, I used to share my last can of food with him. And now we can't live in the same house. I've got nine bedrooms. It's not like we're cramped for space. And uh, otherwise, we just live in two separate houses with four and a half bedrooms each. And what? drive to each other's houses every day, it wouldn't make sense. But that, they, there's got to be 100% trust for this to work. Oh, 100% trust. Which is what you guys have. But me and Andrew have a 100% Very trust. obvious. Yeah. Very 100%. obvious. So he, he, he gave you some love. What would you say about him? Like From your perspective, you know, what, what strengths, who is Andrew to you? And maybe what are some strengths and things he does that the rest of the world doesn't see that you know? Andrew is the hardest working man I've ever met. Even with the lifestyle he lives now and as fun as it looks and it is fun and all the fun shit we do is real even if we are in a luxury hotel in the south of france where you're paying ten thousand dollars per room andrew will be up at seven o'clock in that hotel gym he'll message me at 8 30 i have to wake up next to god knows who whiskey spilled all over the desk but again that inspires me and he'll be like emergency meeting in my room emergency meeting we always say that so i'll go to his room so the whole world is what's the emergency, emergency and he'll bring up tiny issues with the business that, you know, I could have slept on quite happily. But again, it's like me doing the exercise when he won't. It pushes me to be a better person. And Andrew will happily work 15, 16 hours a day and then go out and spend four or five hours having fun and blowing loads of money. It doesn't come from the sky. It's not magic. We're not trust fund kids. We didn't win the lottery. He is the hardest working man I have ever met. And the fact that I can even live with him and try to keep up is, is, is a, a testament to me because it's difficult, you know? Because it's constant. Yeah, and people don't see the work. People don't see the work. Um, I mean, me and Andrew, we're in good shape. I don't post training videos and, you know, 
fitness progress videos. I just do the work and let the results speak for itself. In terms of money and in terms of business and success, that's Andrew. Everyone's like, oh, well, well how does he have all this money? Maybe he's a criminal, you know? So uh, how does he have all this money? I know why he has all this money, because he's sitting right there at that desk at least 10 hours a day, even when we're not on house arrest. He'll be out in the evenings having his fun, and that's what we'll show to the world. This whole, hey, look at me, I'm at my laptop, and I'm gonna grind away for six hours. Like, that's, no one wants to see that on Instagram. No one wants to see that on social media. It's boring. They wanna see you driving the Bugatti with a cigar in your mouth and a beautiful girl next to you. But that doesn't come without sitting at that desk for a good while first. When's the last time you told Andrew no? Meaning, hey, I have an idea. Here's what I wanna do. I'm the hardest working man in the world. Here's what I'm doing. I have an agenda. And you go, no, bad idea. Let's do this instead. Do you ever tell him no? How does this work in this relationship? I guess the answer to your question would be, tell Andrew no why. You know, we're two men with the exact same vision aiming for the exact same goal. It's that old saying, with great power comes great responsibility. So telling Andrew no, you have to understand I'm the only person in the world who can tell him no. Ever since dad died, it's me and that's it. So I'm not going to use that power over something trivial, over something that is a recommendation. If I don't think he should do something, I just know when he really, really shouldn't do something. And then I'll say no, but I, can't, I literally can't think of an example. I can't. No, I can't, think, I can't think of an example where I've told Andrew no in the last couple of years. That's the dynamic of the relationship between the two of you guys. Indeed, but he's also the only person who could tell me no. And he doesn't really tell me no for anything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a 34 year old man, little brother or not. He's 36, I can make my own decisions. And none of us have the tendency to ever do anything that's really stupid. So. At the peak, who was funner to party with? Oh, I, I've always been the funnest to party with. <laughs> really? I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still the fun one to party with today. No, 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 don't worry about the peak. I haven't reached my peak yet. <laughs> like, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it, yeah. I'm the one, Andrew, I'm the kind of guy, I definitely take the party a bit too far. I'll give you an example. We'll go out to the club, there's five guys, 15 girls. We're all having fun, we're all partying, etc. We'll come home, Andrew will be like, okay, well, this is the girl I'm with, I'm gonna go to bed. It's 3 a.m. I know I could go to bed with one of these women at any one time. Back in my party days, I've, 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 I've calmed down a bit on the womanizing, I really have. Uh, and he'll be in bed at three. I'll still stay up till six, drinking with the guys. Because I think, let me squeeze the maximum amount of fun out of this night as possible. So obviously it, it, it gets ruined when it gets to six o'clock and the girl I like is now asleep or home. And it's like, <laughs> oh wait, well, you know, I definitely messed that one up. But I'll certainly try to have as much fun as possible. And it comes back to bite me sometimes. But When's I'm, the last time you partied? You've been in jail. You haven't had one day of freedom this no, year. No, no. Right? You guys are known as these kickboxing, badass, womanizing party guys. But yeah. Andrew's been very subdued. He's converted to Islam. You well, know, he's yeah. not drinking. No, he doesn't drink anymore. You, he's completely quit. When's the last time quit. that you had a, a fun night out of the town? A fun night out in the town, I don't know. But I had a fun night right here in my house when my camera guy showed up. I'm gonna say his name, his name's Bailey. I'm gonna say it, I don't care if he wants to, he can censor out, don't give him editorial control. <laughs> so he got here, I thought, you know what, Bailey's here. That's something new. You know, I've been locked in jail now, I'm on house arrest. Let's open a bottle of champagne, don't worry Bailey, just one. Four bottles of champagne later, <laughs> Bailey's like wishing for death. I'm like, you know, okay, <laughs> fine, I'll let him go to sleep. But we stayed up all night talking politics, history, very, very interesting things, along with my, my coach, my, my physiotherapist, Alex, who hates drinking, by the way, but he'll, he'll partake sometimes. And, you know, it was just three guys together talking about, 
I feel like it's the way things should be and the way things certainly were before mobile phones. Nowadays, everyone's too connected digitally. They speak to each other online too much. Everyone WhatsApps each other, checks on their friends that way. I like sitting around with my friends and just drinking and talking and having a good time and learning new things from them and telling them new things that they don't know. I find that to be incredibly fulfilling. So you were saying interest. You said cutters. You collect cutters and all this stuff. I, I collect cigar lighters and cigar accessories. I'm a nerd about my cigars. I'm a real nerd about it. I tried my first cigar when I was 28. And now that I smoke a lot of cigars, people will accuse me of saying, oh, well, you try to teach values, but you encourage smoking. I don't encourage smoking. These are bad for you. But if you do them, train really hard in the gym, get as fit and strong as possible, at least try to compensate the damage. But yeah, I'm a nerd about my cigars. I smoked my first one when I was 28. I had a car crash, which uh, stopped me from professionally fighting. I had some surgery just uh, a year and a half ago to, to fix all that damage finally. But I thought, I can't fight anymore. I've always thought cigars looked cool. I'd never smoked a cigarette or any kind of tobacco product up until that point. And I walked into the cigar lounge. I thought, oh, yeah, this big Cuban cigar. Let me buy one of these. I had some money even back then when I was 28. And I got this cigar. Got about halfway through and my head was spinning. I don't know how I drove home. I felt horrible. But, yeah, now I smoke two, three cigars a day sometimes. Some days I'll go without smoking. But the accessories are what make it cool. You know, even here on the table. These have been here since your, uh, since your podcast with Andrew. But... It's the lighters I like, the cutters I like. I'm a real nerd about it. Before going out, I'll pack my cigar cases, etc., ready for the club. Yeah. What's your preference? Like, what's, what do you go to? What's your go-to cigar? Cigar? Yeah. My favorite cigar is actually... So you have to liken them to champagne because most people won't know what we're talking about if we do cigars. So I'm going to make it more interesting. People who don't know champagne will say, yeah, give me some Dom Perignon every single time. I don't even like champagne. I don't like any champagne. But there are old Frenchmen who know that there's a Veuve Clicquot bottle that's better than the Dom Perignon if it's the right year, etc. So with cigars, everyone goes Cohiba. When you can buy Cubans when you're outside the, the United States, Cohiba is the Dom Perignon of cigars. It's got the yellow label. Everyone likes Cohibas. But this is not my favorite brand of cigar. But my favorite is H. Upman. Now, they have a European name, even though they're Cuban, because a German businessman started that company in 1848. Cohiba was founded in 1966. It has much more history behind the brand a much better quality cigar in terms of build and flavor, and they're about half the price. But me smoking H. Upman's is not a budgetary decision. I mean, I'll buy cigars from the 1950s and smoke six, $7,000 cigars just because I enjoy them. But H. Upman are by far the best brand, hmm. hands down. Can I give a quick shout yeah, out real quick? Sure. I only smoke cigars with two people. Their last name is either Tate or Sopala. Okay. So Before. shout out to Matt Sapala, by the He's way, if you're watching this. this, you're going to love this. Yeah. The finest of gentlemen, the Tates and the Sapala. That's it. That's a quick shout out. I, I, I very rarely smoke cigars, but if I yeah. do, it's with the Tate. Well, actually, Sopala. Matt Sapala did a Manect call with, uh, with Andrew, Andrew right? last time, I think, using Manect yeah. and had a, a good conversation together. So uh, going, going back to you, uh, spiritually, the Tate comes out, Andrew comes out recently announcing he's a Muslim, yeah. right? But in the podcast with us, he said, you're, you're still a Christian. What, yes. what is that conversation like between the two of you? Well, you have to understand, if you are a fan of Andrew who watches him on the internet, oh, he's converted to Islam, that's sudden. It wasn't sudden. It was a journey that I saw him go on, which certainly lasted at least 10, 11 months up into the, the day he, he converted, reverted according to, to Muslims, I'll use the proper terminology, up until the day he reverted. I became a Christian about six years ago. I spent a lot of my life as an atheist, and I'm so ashamed to say that. 
I don't like the word. I think it's a bad word nowadays. Because I was young and naive and stupid enough to think that people could be perfectly moral and live in a perfect, harmonious society without the need for religion. And about six or seven years ago, I looked around the world, literally, at what people were doing. The massive fetishization, I'll call it, of abortion, um, you know, the, the degeneracy in society, and everyone's an atheist. I thought, are these my people? And I was living in Romania, the most orthodox Christian country in the world. My daughter's maternal grandfather is actually an orthodox Christian priest. And I picked up the Bible again, and I read it from cover to cover, front to back. Mm-hmm. And that was six years ago when I became a Christian. Now, ever since Andrew's reversion, I have not spoken about my religious beliefs because there are teams on Twitter. So you, get, you guys get the exclusive. There are literally warring tribes on Twitter of Christian trolls, let's call them, and Muslim trolls, all fighting for my soul. Tristan, what do you believe in Tristan? And I haven't mentioned my religion ever since Andrew's aversion to Islam. So there are people who think I'm a Muslim. There are people who know I'm a Christian. But for me, the values that are shared between the two faiths are both contrary to everything what Andrew would call the matrix is trying to shove down young people's throats and trying to program people to believe. Uh, I think the days of, of Christians and Muslims murdering each other in crusades and um, you know trying to take the holy city of Jerusalem, etc., are over. I think that there are ideological differences and there are ignorant Christians who will be like, oh yeah, but you know Islam's a fake religion. But then there are ignorant Muslims who will say, oh, Christianity's a fake religion. Good, you're supposed to think that. They're different religions and they do teach different things. They have different messengers and they have slightly different messages. But as a whole, I'm perfectly happy living in a house when my brother is a Muslim because one, I respect his decision. Two, I understand why he reverted. Three, I understand that we have a common enemy in, uh, we have an enemy in common and we have the exact same goals. I feel like the religions now should be closer than ever before. It's fine to say, you believe things about God that I don't, and I believe things about God that you don't. But can we at least agree that this is wrong? And I feel like common ground would unite Christians and Muslims hand in hand if people were less standoffish. Hmm. So I have no problem with my brother being a Muslim. He's quit drinking. I have lost my drinking partner. <laughs> and the only reason I'm actually talking to you about religion and answering these questions, because I kept it very close to my heart and I haven't spoken to anybody about it, is because I am publicly drinking whiskey. Well, so, if you need a new drinking partner, Justin, I can help you out here. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, you're, so and you're Jewish? Yes. There most go. of the time. Muslims uh, refer to Christians and Jews as, as people of the book. That, and you have to understand that Muslims hold Christians in, in very high regard. So I've read, even since getting out of jail, I've read four books on Islam since getting out of jail. And I was actually quizzed by a Muslim scholar who lives in the United Arab Emirates. He said, Tristan, are you ever going to revert to Islam? And I said to him, I said, reversion or conversion to any religion, I don't believe it's something that you do. I believe it's something that happens to you. Mm. If you look into a subject and you read about, you read the Bible, you read about, you know, Christianity, and you read about the life of Jesus Christ, you don't think, you know what? Yes, screw it. I'm a Christian. I feel like it's something that would have to happen to me, not something I'd choose to do. And I've even had people say, oh, you know, your life would be better if you reverted to Islam because, um, you know, there'd be benefits with you living in the Middle East, etc. And I said, no, no, no. How disingenuous would that be to my Muslim friends and colleagues, of which I have many, to revert for any beneficial reason other than me genuinely feeling it within my soul? So that's the reason I haven't. Not because I I haven't chosen to, 
but because it hasn't happened to me. Right. So that means it could happen. Yeah, Monday. absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You, you said so, so interesting. You just said something earlier, real cool, real brief. You tweeted out. You said positive pregnancy test question mark. Yes. Unsure what to do. This is the sign you were looking for. Keep the baby. Yes. Raise the baby. By the time they are two, you will thank God you read this and shudder that you ever considered an abortion. I understand you have a choice, but make the right one. Yes, I did tweet that because I understand that there is now a chance with 1.8 million people following me on Twitter and five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand people watching each of my tweets that I may have just saved a life. I wasn't trying to make any point about the legality of abortion because everyone's arguing underneath the tweet. Oh, it should be legal. It should be illegal. I will actually upset both teams because I'm not pro-life or pro-choice. I believe that abortion should be legal under many circumstances. And there are many reasons why there are people that there are people in the world who for many reasons would need an abortion. What I do is I don't try to force my views on anyone else. So my view on abortion is very simple. I'm against abortion for me. I've made lots of, lots of money. I'm a smart guy. I'm a great dad. If I get some girl pregnant, even if it's by accident, it was my choice to sleep with her. And I'm going to make sure she brings that baby into the world and take care of it for the rest of its life. So I'm against it for me. I don't try to force my views on other people because otherwise we're going to start this whole debate. It's going to happen in the comment section of this video. Oh, but what if a woman gets raped? I'm against abortion being used as a form of contraception. So I'm on neither team. So both teams can get mad at me and I don't really care. But yeah, I just thought with so many followers, maybe, maybe I'm going to get a letter in the mail in 17 years time from somebody whose mother's going to tell them the story of the time she read Tristan Tate's tweet. And I thought that would be awesome. Wow. So that was my motivation. I wasn't trying to start a political argument because I really don't care enough about these issues to debate people on them because I know how I want to live my life. And if you're a crack addict on the streets of New York and you end up pregnant through sex work, I do believe there is a case where you personally don't need to be bringing a baby into the world. So I'm not going to tell you it's illegal. So I'm in the middle. So everyone can be mad at me. Everyone can hate me. Do you right. like debate? Oh, I, I love debates. Do you like it as much as he likes debates? Oh, like, I love debates. Okay, so you love debates. Oh, I love debates. Okay, so politically, uh, you know, when you, when you think about like, are you, are you following politics closely? Do you watch the election? Do you follow the election closely? I do. I do, yes. What, what, do you look, what do you think about the elections in the U.S. right now? Oh. And the conditions in the U.S. politically? Jesus, I feel like both teams have psychos that they need to pander to, to the point where the whole process has become absolutely ridiculous. I feel like the right have fewer psychos who are less extreme that they have to pander to than the, than the left. But you take people who say very normal things, and again, this is gonna get me in trouble, like men can't get pregnant. And people who've been alive since the 1950s, since the 1960s, people who know that's not true, now have to pretend that they think it is true. And I'm like, I'm not going to go into what you think about foreign policy. I'm not going to go into what you think about the issues America's facing because you just said men can get pregnant. So you're an idiot. And I feel like the pandering to all these special groups, whether it be the, the military industrial complex, let's not, let's not go down that road, um, or you know the, the insane, I won't say the LGBTQ insane people, I'll say the QT plus people because I think LGB and QT plus should be completely separate things. Um, yeah, it's very hard to take any American politician seriously. I do 
know who I want to be the next president of the United States. You probably know who I want to be the next president of the United States. Joe Biden guy we talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, No, I was was (laughs) going to say, the audience doesn't know this. When you walk in here, there's a, uh, is it six feet or eight feet painting of President Joe Biden? I was so impressed, the fact that you guys have that kind of pride for yeah. U.S. in the yeah. house. But it was him very falling impressive. down. Well, you know, I'm not very good at darts, so I need a big board. <laughs> Would you say you were born in America? I was born in the United States. Raised in, in the U.K.? I, I'm English. You're, you, you I, would consider yourself English? I, I would consider myself English, British. I'm proud to be English. I love English history. As a mixed race person, I like to be able to stand up and say I'm very proud of British history and we should all be proud of our heritage without people being able to point the finger at me and call me a racist because when white English people say that, suddenly they're racist for some reason. Uh, Yeah, super proud to be British. I think that the influence that the British have had on the world is incalculably larger than almost any other culture. Um, Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, a lot of the great inventions in the world were British. Uh, the way that you go to every single country in the world and they're all speaking the language of one tiny island in Northern Europe. Why? You know, it's, it's, I'm a proud Englishman and I don't care about the United States so much because I left when I was eight years old. If you want a guaranteed way to get in touch with me, maybe you have a business idea, maybe you want some fashion tips, maybe you just want to connect, you could find me on Minect. How interested can I be as much as I'm interested in the nerdy way that I'll follow it and know what each team has to think. If I've never worked a job in America, I've never had a girlfriend in America. I'm not educated by the American school system. I don't have a business in the United States. You've never had an American girlfriend. Oh no, I've had loads, but. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had to manage a relationship while living in the United States. So um, how much, what do I really have invested in who wins the election? You know, as much as I'm interested in it, I consider myself British and I care much more about England, which is a lot more fucked up than the United States in lots of ways. It's failing in in every single metric, which makes me sad. Would you say you follow British politics even more than American politics? No, I follow American politics because it's more interesting. The British politicians are all, all rubbish. And because of the electoral system where the prime minister comes from the party who has the most seats and each seat is an individual election with the first past the post system, there's no winners. Nobody, Nobody can come along. As a hero, let's say hypothetically, because I don't want to—I don't want to say who I support for president. But let's say hypothetically, some billionaire businessman with charisma came along and said, "I want to become the leader of England." He's got no chance. He'd have to start his own political party. He'd lose in every single individual election in every single constituency in the United, in the United Kingdom, and you'd never hear from him again. I think it was in 19—I don't want to say the exact date because someone's going to correct me on it—but it was in the 1970s. The Green Party of England won 20-something percent of the vote and got zero seats in the House of Parliament. That's the way the system works there. So no hero is coming along to save the UK, which is sad because I feel like both political parties that could possibly win and both their leaders are equally horrible. What you're saying is only in America. Yeah, exactly. Is that something like that yeah, possible? Yeah, exactly. In England, you've got two dead horses and the race is about to start. Why watch? I'm not interested, you know? And nobody else is either. I actually have a que- another question for you. Go so ahead. we all have our nicknames, right? Yeah. PBD. Right? Sauce, your brother is Cobra Tate. You are the talisman. Yeah. Okay. I actually had to Google what the talisman was, right? So it is uh, an object that has magic power and brings good luck. Yeah. Right? And keeps evil away and protects the the person wearing it from illness, accident, disgrace, and misfortune. Absolutely. Right? So how did you get the name the talisman? And are you Andrews, 
talisman. I absolutely am. But it wasn't Andrew who gave me the nickname. I was 17 years old and I was working at a sandwich shop and I used to hang around with this African guy from the Ivory Coast Republic. Luke, if you're watching, God bless you. I don't know where you are today. And we'd go out to, to various bars and we would, um, anytime he'd see attractive women, because I mean, I'm 17. What do you know? You know, of course I'm out there trying to be women. And every time there was a group of attractive women, I'd go over and approach them. And I wasn't, I mean, how, how smooth can a 17-year-old be? But, you know, girls tended to like me. And he called me his talisman. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was his, his lack of English that made him use the word talisman instead of good luck charm. But he would always call me his talisman. And it was the talisman. And that stuck. And then I needed the fight name. And it was Tristan the Talisman Tate. And I feel like if you are my friend, if I truly care about you, whether you are pursuing a new goal in business, whether you are attacked on the street, having me by your side is a, I'm a good person to have by your side. And I've proven that hundreds of times to every single person who I hold dear. So I like that name because it suits who I am. You know, I, I say that in every single photo, if you see me and Andrew together, I'm always walking behind him. And believe me, I'll hit someone faster than the bodyguards with us will. I'm that guy. So I, I like the nickname and I, I think it suits me very well. So you're Andrew's talisman. Yeah. You know? Well, then how, how would you be worse off? Anything you want to do in life, how would you be worse off if I was fully invested in the idea that you had and I was on your side 100%? How, I'm how, you up right how would, now. Yeah, how would I make Tristan, you worse off? In. So I feel like that I'm a very well-rounded person. And it's not just for Andrew. It's for anybody I choose to associate with mm -hmm. or anybody I choose to do business with. So um, or protect or, you know, certainly five years ago when I was a bit more wild, if you wanted to go out womanizing, Pretty good at that too, so I bring you some luck in that department. Sign, sign right here. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Retire from that. Man. Who's your talisman? In in what business? It varies because the, the hardest thing to find in life is a flag carrier. It's the hardest thing to find is a flag carrier. Yeah. Flag carrier. You find a flag carrier that's fully with you, and then the time span of how long that person is going to be with you. It's if you look at Elon Musk right now. Who's his talisman? One phone call David away from Sachs. David Sachs. David Sachs, yeah. things get done. The guy's a doer. Yeah, he's a, good point. It's a very... What do you think about Musk, by the way? What he's doing with Twitter? Love him. I absolutely love Elon Musk. And I shut down any criticism I see of him online because I don't think people are... I don't think almost anybody is in a position to criticize Elon Musk. I'll give you an example. Elon Musk was dating to that singer, Grimes, whatever her name is. Yeah. And some dork who fancies himself a dating coach on Twitter, I'm not even going to say his name because that would do him a massive favor, was like, oh, yeah, Elon Musk really needs to book one of my calls for $29 for half an hour so I can give him dating advice. I'm like, who are you? Elon Musk is arguably one of the world's most powerful men. He has the power to send things into space and bring them back. One of the first independent human to ever have that power outside of being a government. He's insanely intelligent. He takes on tasks, like, I mean, Tesla automobiles, absolutely rubbish idea if you were to pitch it to anyone many years ago and he turns them into successes. Elon Musk is a different breed. It's like a bunch of chihuahuas, you know, saying, laughing at a lion's, uh, laughing at a tiger's stripes, saying that his coat was wrong. Like, who are you to criticize him in any way? He doesn't need your dating advice. The man's got 10 kids, nine, rest in peace. And, and that must've been hard for him, God, God bless. But like, how are you, some dork on the internet, gonna criticize him in any way? Who is going to give a fuck about you? 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 300 years from now. If Elon Musk keeps going the trajectory that he is going, he will be one of the most remembered people of our entire generation. Yeah, Barack Obama was the first black president of a country that used to be called the United States. You know, now uh, West China. 
No, I'm joking, I'm joking. But, but in, in 500 years time, a thousand years time, the guy who revolutionized space travel and took us from a single planet. Wow. Yeah, from, yeah, from a yeah. single planet species to a multi-planetary species, that's, his name's going to be in the history books. No question. Long after everyone else's. So I don't even like anyone criticizing him in any way. So if you have anything bad to say, say about Elon Musk, Say so go ahead. Read your seven things you don't like about yeah. Musk. Yeah. So yeah, Elon number one. No, I mean, I mean, we're we're on the team Elon yeah. Musk camp. But I will say this: uh, I didn't get a chance to ask your brother this, but you know, since Twitter is the only platform yeah. you and your brother are allowed on. Yes. Right. He's what he's done for free, free speech is again. He's incredible. He's, yeah. He's, uh, and you know, he's also a customer customer service representative. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um. Your brother tweeted back to Elon. Elon tweeted famously, I think I'm going to remove accounts that are inactive yeah. or aren't tweeting anymore. Yeah. And your brother didn't, didn't bash him, said, great idea, Elon. Yep. But it is. I have a suggestion. My father passed away, what, seven years ago? Eight, maybe eight. Eight yeah. years ago. I still read his tweets all the time. I would really appreciate if he would keep his account active yeah as of today i think his account is still active it is still active so um thoughts on that the fact that elon musk possibly read your brother's tweet well he, he's like kept it active well he's liked some of andrew's tweets before but you have to understand and i fully understand i don't have an ego i fully understand if you don't know me and you've never met me and you listen to what the prosecution service of romania is saying about me even if you like me and even if you don't believe it, the smart choice is wait for it to be proven bullshit before interacting with me. You know, because an association, I would not want to be so associated with somebody who was a human trafficker. I wouldn't. So I get it. If someone doesn't actually know me and they're like, oh, well, let me distance myself from Tate right now. Yeah, it's sad. And yeah, most people who have their bullshit detector switched on can know what's happening to me and why, or to Andrew and why. But He's liked some of Andrew's tweets, but he doesn't follow us and he doesn't interact with us besides those likes. And I completely understand the decision. Because what if tomorrow photos of a room behind that room come out with chains and mattresses where people were kidnapped and kept, you know, the kind of evidence you'd expect in a case like this. You know, what if that comes out? Yeah, I saw none of that, by the way. Uh, you no, know, you have to type in the special code on it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, no, I, Elon is a, is a wonderful guy. And I think he's kept Andrew's um, account up on purpose. If I could give Elon one piece of advice, so I've actually criticized people for giving Elon, uh, people, uh, Elon advice. But there is one thing, one thing that he did that I think he could have done better. Hear me out. You are the only man in human history ever to have the power to send things into near Earth, Earth orbit without the government. It's just you. If you send something up that people don't like, who has to take it down? The Russian government, the United States government. I get that he sent a Tesla. I get it. But I have criticized him on this before. I would send a statue of myself saying Elon owns space. And I published its coordinates every day on a website so people on their telescopes could look with a giant statue of myself that will be up there forever. Longer than humans will live on the earth, that will be up that there. Because who's going to take it down? If you troll the American government with that statue into sending up a giant satellite with a net to bring down your Elon-owned space statue, that's a double win. So I get that he sent the Tesla. But if I could give him one piece of advice, just one, 
send a statue He's of yourself. He's capable enough yeah. of doing it, by the yeah. way. Uh, you know what? And you don't even have to reply to this podcast, Elon, but if you do it, I, if you do it, I will donate a million dollars to a charity of your choice. I promise. That is, I absolutely promise. If he sends a statue into space saying Elon <laughs> owns space and has it on a live feed, I will donate a million dollars to any charity. He that's not even criticism. That's just friendly advice. Right that, that's, that, no, that's Elon's more mature than me. And I'm childish, and I would have done something more childish. So it's not even advice. It's me admitting that I'm a, I'm a bit of a little kid about things sometimes. And uh, yeah, I'm pettier than Elon, I guess. So it's not advice in the positive at all. But that's what I would have done differently. He, he is capable of doing something like that. I know. If there's a guy that would do it, it's probably him. I know. That would do it. And I that hope do he it. does. Were, were you here when BBC came here? I was here. How was that experience? I know they were very friendly, and you guys checked them on their vaccines, and masks and everything but how was how was that entire experience from it, your it, your optics i i love that people underestimate both my brother and myself they see a bunch of money and they see fast cars i don't know how they think i got it i don't know if they think i'm a thug a criminal a trust fund kid i've heard all the theories but nobody actually understands that andrew and i are very intelligent people i don't know why the people who hate us assume that we're dumb oh they're kickboxing they got punched in the head a few times they're probably thugs they have no idea. That woman was totally unprepared for who she sat down across from. She was unprepared. She could have done, I mean, I think you famously put out she did no more than five hours of research. I, I think less than that. But she could have sat and watched every single word Andrew has ever said and came with the same attacks and looked equally as stupid. I feel like the BBC know this. I don't think the BBC as an institution are as stupid as people are making them out to be. I think that the woman they sent, they knew was unprepared. They don't care how many views are on their video compared to all the other views they get. No one's watching the TV. No one who wants news goes home at nine o'clock and turns on BBC anymore. It's all internet. It's all clicks. Tucker Carlson is wiping the floor with everybody at the moment. And God bless him, he's doing a wonderful thing. But they sent her like a lamb to the slaughter. I really believe that the top of the top BBC executives have to be smart enough to know that this woman was not an intellectual match for Andrew Tate. They must have known. They've seen his previous interviews. But this woman didn't know. And it was frankly embarrassing for her. I was standing right here on this balcony listening to the entire thing it was happening right here. And I felt embarrassed for her. Yeah, clearly she had an agenda. Clearly they lost. What I thought was pretty pathetic is even if you have an agenda, even if you don't agree with the person, at the very least, shake the person's hand. Yeah. Why wouldn't she shake yeah. either of your guys' hands at the end of the interview? I'd, That's just low class. Yes, yeah, it was. And, and it was the fact that if she feels, if she had felt that she had got the better of him, she would have shaken his hand. She right. absolutely would well, She clearly lost. Yeah, because she shook his hand in the beginning. So, ah. yeah. Let me ask you, so clear the air. If they're, if they're accusing you of they don't know how you make money, you guys run the real world. You guys want mm -hmm. run the war room. Uh, Justin Waller, who we were saying nice things about earlier. Shout out to Jay Waller. Nice things, he actually, mate. <laughs> he put out a tweet last week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow you to clarify. He said, last week I put out a challenge for any student of the real world to pay the next month's mortgage for their parent. Yes. He gave an example of a guy named Didar. So Didar, shout out to you, came through. And yes. For his mother day. Could not be more proud of this young man. I know Cobra Tate and the Talisman would feel the same. So here you are changing actual people's lives, mm -hmm. enabling young men to pay their parents' mortgage. Yes. What are you doing with the real world? What are you doing with the war room that's actually enabling people to help their family, to make money? And as a byproduct, obviously, you guys make money. Well, the real world is a, is a, it's a I think it's a, almost a revolution in education, which is another reason why I think everyone wants Andrew to shut up. I feel like the traditional way 
Because you have to understand, universities have a monopoly on the borrowing credit of young people. An 18-year-old who wants to be a pilot cannot say, hey, bank, give me some money so I can take some flying lessons and get my pilot's license. They'll say, no, join the military or don't. He can't say, I've got a great business idea. Give me a loan. I'm going to start an ice cream store. Here's the business plan. They'll say, no. Hey, I want to study gender studies. Give me $100,000. Boom. They write the checks every single time. And the people you're learning from are not necessarily qualified to make you a better fit for the workforce. They're not necessarily qualified to teach you anything about how to make money, which used to be the end goal of university. I do not shit on university. <clears throat> my doctors went to university. My lawyers went to university. University is absolutely necessary in today's society. But telling every young person that that's the only path to success, the real world was founded on the principle that when me and Andrew were young, we had to jump through hoops to network with high-level people. My dad knew a rich chess player. This guy ran a kickboxing tournament. Okay, let me see if I could speak to him for 10 minutes after, see if I can learn anything. Now, $49 a month, you are in direct contact with millionaires who we've all verified. We verified them personally, people who have made millions of dollars in their industry, and they are going to teach you how they, they did it and what you should do if you wish to emulate them. So we're cutting out the middleman in a way. So it is absolutely wonderful. Do some people join the world, real world and just have it on their phone and think it's magic and think it's going to make them money and not make money? Perhaps. It's a resource like anything else, like a great book. But you have to put the time in. You have to learn the knowledge from it. And yeah, that guy paid his mother's mortgage payment. Respect. The so what's the difference Runner. between the real world and the war room? The war room, you have to think of it more of a, as, a, as, an, as a private member's network. Whereas the real world, nobody's vetted, nobody's kicked out. Anybody who wants to jump in at any point, man, woman, a child any, of any age, can, can get inside and learn from the people who are professors in the world, uh, in the real world. No, see, I just mixed them up just there. Why the, the name's so similar? Whereas the war room is something very, very different. Um, I'll let, Andrew's probably given a description of the war room and I feel like that will be adequate. So I'll leave it at that because I am just a war room member like everybody else. I do not own the, the war room. So this whole time I thought you guys might've been 50-50 partners on all this. Is well, this all Andrew? Well, we're 50-50 partners on everything. You are. Yeah. If I, if, I go, if, I, if I went outside right now and, I don't know, did anything that made money, it goes into the same banks. It goes into the same accounts. Anything any of us do goes into the same banks and the same accounts. And, you know, when you're successful enough, that's hard to keep track of. It's not just one account with one number. It's all over the world. So all of our money is, is collective money. So it doesn't matter what he earns, what I earn, because it all goes into the same place. Hmm. In the War room and re real, real world. Real world, yeah. How many, how many total members? Do you, do you have an idea how many I, members I, I think this? I think the real world, we're, we have in excess of 200,000 students. Holy, 200,000 students. In excess of 200,000 students, wow. absolutely. Very impressive. And then for anybody who can do basic maths, you know, to assume that I would need to kidnap anyone to make money is ridiculous. I'll just leave that out there. But, you know, the people who are involved in this attack don't care how I make money. They don't care in the truth. They don't care about the truth. They just want to spin some negative story about me. And I feel like they failed, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Time, time will tell the way it's going right now. Yep. You're gonna see what's gonna happen here soon. But I'm not afraid of anything. They can't stop me. Have you ever been a child and found something scary? I have an example. I was living in Indiana, seven years old, and everyone was jumping into this lake from this big, tall rock. And I sat there all day and all afternoon while everyone jumped off this big, tall rock. I walked to the edge of it five or six times. And I thought, you know what? That's scary, I'm not going to do it. And by the end of the day, I jumped and thought, oh, well, that was no big deal. And I did it again and again. Then it was time to go home. I was no longer afraid of that. The worst punishment these people can do is to try to discredit, discredit my name, which fails, and to put me in jail. 
I've jumped off the rock. I'm not scared of jail anymore. You want to send me back? Good. Because if you send me back, you're now going to have to explain to the world why. You're going to have to show the evidence this time. So you better prove it. You know, whether I get sent back or not, they're going to have to finally show their cards. They've been sitting here with a seven and a two. Well, I'm across them with aces and there are aces all across the floor. And they've been chip leader, pushing their chips around, making their power moves. The time is coming where they're going to have to put their cards on the table. It's going to be tough for them. Yeah. It's going to be really tough for them. By the way, were you here when, uh, well, I'm assuming you were here when the, uh, I think it was Andrew who showed the clip where he uh, agreed for the vice guy to come here. <laughs> is this a true story? We yeah. There was an event that the war room held called the test. Nobody knew why they were coming or what they were doing. And Andrew matched them up in a professional fight on no notice because everyone likes to talk big and say, I'm ready and I've been physically training, etc." And people could either pass the test by getting in the cage or fail the test by, by denying it. And the vice guys went through the test and the entire time he went through the test, he was like, this is awesome. Yeah, I understand how this helps men grow and etc." Gave me all the bullshit in my ear. I knew he was a snake from day one. Called him out on the podcast. So this guy's a complete dork and he's not to be trusted. Now, Andrew ran this idea by everybody. The people who are careful, my legal team, my PR team, some of them are here. And a lot of people said, no, don't do that. No, 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 you'll look like a bully, you'll look like a, you're mean. I was like, this guy, when we were in jail, released the most biased piece of negative journalism I've ever seen against us. Screw this guy. And was like, really? I said, yeah, go for it, Andrew. I was that guy who said, who, who cares? What's he gonna do? Break into my house, pass my security guards and somehow beat me up? Now, we would have loved to fly to Australia or Thailand and stand him up there so he's got a nice, you know, 16-hour economy flight home. But sadly, all we could do was book a rest. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious. He's, he's still begging for an interview, by the way, even today. How long was he waiting outside? Oh, he came back twice. Uh, he wasted the whole day. But outside of my gate and physical hours spent, maybe three. It's a shame what's happened to Vice these days, by yeah. the way. George Soros buying him out for $400 million. Yeah. Well, people deserve it. They, you know, you, what goes around comes around. You want to be a little jerk? People are going to treat you like one. Yeah. They Perfect certainly won't, won't forget how you treated them. People oh, yeah. will not forget. Oh, absolutely. They, they never do. Speaking of what goes around comes around, you know, there's, there's two, probably the two most famous brothers in the world these days. You get the Tate brothers. Yeah. And you get the Paul brothers. Mm -hmm. And there's been some, some beef, some words exchanged. Yeah. No love lost. I don't know. Certain people have said certain things about one another. Let's just say you're in a bar. You know, there's no cameras. There's no judges. There's no yeah. rules. Tate brothers walk in the bar. Paul brothers walk in the bar. Who walks out? Me and my brother. Every single time. But I understand that this question is, is phrased to hype the beef between us and the Paul brothers, I actually want to put one thing straight. I have no beef with the Paul brothers. And I don't even think my brother does either. I will go as far as to say I really like Jake Paul. Hmm. Me and my brother are bigger than the Paul brothers, more fight experience than the Paul brothers. I've taken more, more punches than the Paul brothers. Um, wrestling, grappling, me and Andrew have, have judo experience. I, like, who would win the fight? I feel like that's a juvenile question to ask because if I saw Jake Paul, I'd buy him a drink. I like Jake. Logan, not so much. But Jake is a hardworking young man who has put it all on the line and gets in the ring against people vastly more experienced than himself in combat sports. He fought Tommy Fury, who was a vastly more experienced mm -hmm. boxer. And I don't feel there's any beef between me and the Paul brothers. I sat down and had drinks with Jake. I would go as far no. as to say I like Jake. I don't like their relationship with brothers. If I could criticize anything about them, 
I saw, I mean, there are clips when Jake's like, oh, I want to be the world champion of boxing. And Logan's like, yeah, yeah, good luck. Yeah, as if. I don't feel that's a good way for brothers to behave, but more of that comes from Logan to Jake. There is no, well, there is no beef. Well, there was beef between your brother, Andrew, yes. and Logan. There was actually. I mean, there's beef. Exchange. They probably yes. hate each other now. Oh, but, right. it, but it doesn't matter. I remember a year ago, Logan Paul saying, oh, Andrew's the big fish now, but we'll see in a year where he is. And now no one cares who Logan Paul is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no one who doesn't drink his cheap sugary energy, energy drink really cares who he is. Um, and, you know, I think in five years, no one's going to know who he is, but Andrew's still going to be relevant. Wow. So, but uh, I think that's how the, the victory is going to be won. But I, I don't think about the Paul brothers. Gotcha. I haven't thought about them in a long time. But I have spoken to Jake since getting out of jail. And I will say right now, I like Jake. And I like Logan for one thing and one thing only. Logan brought back with that loser KSI this old notion of, okay, we've got beef. Well, instead of rapping about each other or, you know, talking shit on Twitch streams, let's handle it like men. And that's how, that's how I grew up. I grew up in a very bad part of town. And, you know, I've had 40-something professional fights myself. That's how beef was settled between men. Nowadays, everyone wants to stab each other or just talk shit and not actually mm-hmm. back it up. Logan and KSI brought back the tradition of, I challenge you to a duel. So I feel like Logan has given something great to the world, even though I may personally dislike him a little bit. And Jake, I have nothing bad to say about. So I know that's a boring answer. No, it's I, all I, good. I respect Jake. Well, in the last interview we did, your brother called out Logan pretty hard. And then the last time we saw your yeah. brother out in public, there was a face-off between him him and Jake. 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 Him and Jake. Correct. Yeah, because there, were, there was talks of a fight at the time. Gotcha. I think any, certainly any plans to join in on the YouTube boxing community were thwarted by our arrest and our mm. imprisonment. But I also feel right now, and I'll say it unapologetically to anybody involved in that industry, YouTube boxing is dying. It was fun for a while. It was a spectacle for you a while. You think it is. You think it's dying. I think it's dying. I think people want to see Jake versus KSI. Jake will kill him, by the way. And after that, no one really cares anymore. I think that you can only put a spin on boxing for so long, but you're never going to beat the traditional, this guy's trained 15 years against, this guy who's trained 15 years, old school rules of boxing. I've actually likened YouTube boxing to celebrity sex tapes. Hear me out. Lots of people watch pornography, which is haram, by the way. Don't watch pornography. It's one of the worst habits that men could possibly have. But lots of people watch this stuff of professionals having sex with each other, okay? A celebrity sex tape comes out. They're crap at sex. Guy's got a small <laughs> dick. But everyone watches it. Why? Because it's a novelty. It's entertaining for a very short time. Kim Kardashian got famous that way. Pamela Anderson, Paris Hilton. Back in the day, that was a big deal. Oh, look, it's a novelty. It's porn. But this is a celebrity, someone we know, someone who we watched videos of, someone who we've seen speak on TV. YouTube boxing had its big moment, like celebrity sex tapes had their big moment, and now people are bored of watching losers with small dicks, and they want to see the guys with the big dicks fuck. (laughs) So now I think people want to see real boxing again, and everyone's bored of this. Well, I know him a bit, so I'm going to watch two idiots elbow each other in the face because they don't know how to throw punches straight. Well, (laughs) just so you know, right now, the moment Tommy Lee sees this, he's going to be very upset at you. Okay. To say what you said about him, because when the sex tape with Tommy Lee and Pamela came out, I haven't seen it. Okay. I, know, yeah. right. I haven't seen it. Tommy Lee has got a respect in the market. Tommy Lee okay. is a, yeah. he's right. a known commodity. So last okay. thing, but but does my analogy make sense? <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> analogy. And I think I made that up. No one else has ever said that. No, so that's, that's a Tristan Tate original thought. <laughs> but I'm right. It's over. Everyone's bored. Sex tape. Yeah. So when this whole charade is done, yeah, 
And you and your brother are proven innocent. Yes. And you're scot-free. Yes. Walk us through what the future holds for the Tate brothers. The future holds more of the same. I feel like the days when me and Andrew were on a mission to get to the next step, we have to get here, we have to get here, we have to get here, that ended a while ago, and this case has now given us one more of those. We need to beat this. That's our next hurdle. But I'm more about trying to enjoy the steps than caring about what the next one is, you know? I want to spend time with my daughter. I love, my, I, I love, I love being a dad. It's a wonderful experience. Uh, I'd, love to ha- I'd love to have more kids. Uh, keep the income coming in, keep being rich, keep flying around on private jets, experiencing the very best things the world has to offer, the best cigars, the finest suits, you know, the, the most well-mixed martinis at the finest hotels in the world. That's what I like to do. And there's just going to be much more of that, but I'm going to appreciate it a lot more than if I had never been sent to that dungeon. Respect. 92 days, 93 days. Yeah, 92 days. 92 and days. Yeah. And you guys watched a very good movie together, Rush Arrow. I mean, to have access to that kind of stuff, that's yeah, it's no, pretty it's, epic it's, it's to watch wonderful. movies and I think stuff. The, I think the people at the Romanian police force are probably studying that movie right now as well. I'm sure you've heard the story. But, uh, yeah, and, and the, the, on the flight back, that yeah. song is stuck in my head right now. I can't get it out of oh, my head. Oh, the catch-up song. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it's Fashion advice. Fashion advice. You, you're, you're, you're like, you know, it's amazing every time you put yeah. it together. So uh, uh, 22-year-old guys watching this. How can I get better in fashion? What tips could you give them? Oh, there's one tip. There's one tip that overrules absolutely everything. Be in shape. The person who makes my suits, the same person who makes the suits of King Charles of England. Now, I, like, I have nothing bad really to say about King Charles, but he looks worse in his suits than I look in my suits. They're made by the same people. Why? Because I'm in good shape. A suit is all about how it fits you. Mm-hmm. It's not about, I have to be Tristan Tate, I'm going to go to Savile Row in London and I'm going to buy a $10,000 suit. No. Get into good shape. Buy a Hugo, buy a Hugo Boss suit. You know, for a couple, a couple hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks, you could put one together. Have your mother, have someone you know with a sewing machine. You know, taper it yeah. in a little bit at the sides. Make sure that the leg is the exact right length. But if you are shaped like a, like, like a, like a man in good shape, mm-hmm. the suit's going to look good on you. There's no way you can be uh, obese, lazy, out of shape individual and go to my tailor and come, out, and come out of my tailor shop, regardless of how much you spend, looking like me. Be in shape is the number one fashion advice I give to anyone. It's the old, old Versace t-shirt, you know, on a big fat guy versus just a plain five buck t-shirt on a guy who's in, in right. decent shape. That's my advice to young men. Be in good shape and buy clothes that fit you. That overrules absolutely every single fashion rule that anyone could give. The man makes the suit, the suit doesn't make the man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so I was expecting one gray, one navy blue, one this, one that. No. Three different Be in shape. No. Nope. Be in shape. It's Be in the shape. Best Be in shape. Possibly and own one suit. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So we learned a lot today. We learned the kind of cigars you like. It's half the price of Cohiba. We learned uh, we're going to have to see what's going to happen with Romania yep. because with the case, we have to kind of wait for that. We learned that these YouTube fights is like porn, or even celebrity porn. Celebrity you know I'm right. You're smiling because we'll, we'll you know I'm right. There. And we learned that the best tip for fashionable advice is to be in shape. Absolutely. This has been an incredible conversation with you. I wish we could have done it last time. I'm glad we were able to do it this time. And me. And me as well. You look good. No, no, nothing going on here, which is good. But uh, looking forward to the next time. Hopefully next time we talk, you guys will be free and you'll be able to tell some stories that maybe we couldn't tell today. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Brother, this was great. Yeah, it's It's been been great. It's been great. If you want a guaranteed way to get in touch with me, maybe you have a business idea, Maybe you want some fashion tips. Maybe you just want to connect. You could find me on Manect.